The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Naked Bunny. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, another friend we've not talked to in too long, and we regret that. We're going to do better in the new year. Uh, but he has not stopped doing all the important work he's doing. I've always reminded people to support MediaMatters.org to get all the information you need about what's really going on out here. And there is a lot going on. Is Trump the only one who incited an insurrection? Did he get some help in doing that? We're going to explore that with the president of MediaMatters.org, our dear friend, Angelo Carasone. Angelo, hope you and yours had as blessed the holiday season as you could and happy new year. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, thank you. So... Fox News, I mean, people demonstrated at the Capitol it had an insurrection around what they said, stopping the steal. Fox News helped to promote that there was a steal to stop in the first place, didn't it? That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, Trump is he's a reflection of what is happening in the right wing echo chamber. Um, and that is uh, obviously it's a lot of online, but it's also it's also Fox. And. Uh, you know, they, for some reason, because they're not, they're not as bad, uh, on the surface as some of what we're seeing in these online communities. Um, that doesn't mean that they didn't have a significant role. They, they validated, uh, and, and unmanufactured the narrative that the election was stolen, uh, and really helped it, helped it calcify. So in the first, in the two weeks after the election had been called, projected for Biden, um, Fox News undermined it either by promoting the conspiracy conspiracy theories that it was stolen uh, or questioning the results or suggesting that it wasn't over yet 800 times, 800 times, two weeks. Um, that is, and, and, and think about it. There's a downstream effect. So it's not just people watching Fox news, seeing that then you go online and you look, you know, at the top 10 posts on Facebook and half of them are Donald Trump tweeting out a Fox news story uh, or they are Fox news links being regurgitated through the right-wing echo chamber and reverberated. So the effect of that is is magnified by the online landscape, but it, it is important to consider that they gave it a huge amount of uplift and oxygen. And I'll wrap with this, is that at the time, um, everybody was so, wow, you know, Fox News called Arizona for Joe Biden on election day that they were 
that they were missing the damage that the channel was actually doing to the information landscape, how much poison they were injecting into the system um, and how much they were propelling this lie from the far from the fringes and the fever swamps right down the center of mainstream Republican politics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and they're they're trying to they've been trying to downplay the insurrection and the aftermath too, haven't they? So they don't have any responsibility. That that's that's what they're really up to now, right? Yeah, I mean, they would make the case that uh, you know, one they they the thing that struck me is while the Capitol was still being attacked, so in the midst of this being attacked, uh, Laura Ingram calls into Fox News and begins to promote the idea that this is Antifa. The very first time there was anybody floating any of the Antifa conspiracies wasn't QAnon or an online forum. It was Fox News. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she said she heard from sources that it was Antifa. Uh, and then obviously they talked a lot about tech censorship. And now instead of talking about, um, you know, any of the promotion, they're talking about the fact that this is actually done by left wing. And then they're immediately jumping over to attacking, uh, vice president elect Harris and suggesting that she needs to be impeached. And their argument is that she started the insurrection, uh, that she started the insurrection by supporting bail funds for uh, Black Lives Matter demonstrators over the summer. So that's how they're literally they're jumping from all this violence you're seeing now is uh, is both directly a proxy of Antifa and left wing agitators. And to the extent that it exists, it's actually something that Vice President-elect Harris um, essentially fueled and built back in the summer. They called for her impeachment. Yeah, yeah. She's not even in office yet. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. How are you going to be? Well, that's kind of like pardoning people who haven't been charged with a crime yet, isn't it? That's the same. It sure thing. is. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the same thing. Uh, 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 which which doesn't make a lot of sense either. So now, um, uh, I wonder if the Fourteenth Amendment, Angelo, is applicable to media organizations. I mean, because this is important. I mean, it, we know that most of those people get, well, I don't know if we know that anymore. But can we say that most of the insurrectionists get their information from Fox? Or do they? does this group actually not? I know they, they get some of it, but they probably get a lot of it from, from Parler and that right. other crazy network I can't think of right now. Yeah. Um, are they getting more news from there than they are from Fox or is it a combination? It's a combination. Um, and that's where, you know, when you start to think about what did Trump really do, what, what was the change? Um, one of the big changes was that he was sort of merging, uh, and helping, you know, build the convergence of, you know, increased conspiracies and, um, outrageous critiques and, uh, and, and more traditional Fox news content. And by that, I mean, they say, well, where do they get a lot of information from? They get a lot of information from individuals, um, like that are repeating stuff that they heard both on One American News and Newsmax and Fox. And so it is, it is a, in some ways a combination. I mean, they hosted Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani, um, extensively in the early days, uh, uh, you know, after the, after the election was called. So, 
And then, you know, so Giuliani was peppering those lies, lies everywhere. But I think, I don't think they're defining characteristics as Fox viewers. I think they are, uh, they're more to me like Fox byproducts. They're byproducts of the Fox news that, uh, of Glenn Beck, right? That, you know, they started this fire. This is the next wave. Um, they don't even have to be Fox viewers anymore to be foxed up. Yeah. Um, right. These are the, the unruly offspring. Oh, Fox. Yeah, that's uh, it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 what what is the result of of Parler being taken down the way it was? Um, I, I want to deal with Parler because because that was a, a big force in all of this. Do we know yet? I mean, how are these people able to communicate now? They um they before Parler had gone offline. Um, a lot of them moved through to, to, a, uh, to another communications tool called Telegram, which is basically just like a text messaging service, but it also has these things called channels, which are just groups, big group texts. Uh, and these groups have 10, 15, 50,000 people in them, sometimes up to 100. And uh, so on Parler, as, as they were going offline, people were saying, follow me over here on Telegram. Um, so a lot of them migrated over to Telegram, and that's not just reflected in what we were seeing in the tracking. But also, I mean, Telegram shot up to be the top app on the Apple Store because people needed to download it to get on it. Uh, so a lot of them moved over there. And then, you know, many of them are, remain uh, happy and comfortable in their Facebook communities. I mean, they're, they're mostly private groups, closed groups. Uh, but, you know, Facebook has largely avoided any actual accountability. I mean, Facebook lied to everybody and, and, uh, and still hasn't gotten blowback for it. They say they banned Trump. They're the only major platform that hasn't banned Trump. Um, all they did was give him a two week suspension. And then they said after that, it's an undetermined amount of time. Um, and you know, when I was a kid and my parents gave me a, a nebulous punishment, I knew it was BS. Mm-hmm. I'd be back, I'd be back doing what I wanted in a couple of days, right? Yeah. Um, because, and, and that's it. I mean, they're healed, you know, without them, that being a, a permanent thing, it, it, you know, if they're not doing it for that one, you know, that they're not doing it for, a, a, they're, they're not doing a whole lot of the other stuff that's not getting any scrutiny. Yeah. 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 So, so they aren't completely devoid of a way to reach out uh, to people. Media Matters also has a headline. Um, is, is it? Let me get this right. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts um, is still running some at, at this at this hour. Uh, some QAnon broadcasts and podcasts, correct? That's right, and. Um... You know, I, I really struggle with these things because I, on the one hand, you know, I feel like it's okay to have bad ideas um, and also be, and be awful. We shouldn't always have to go deplatform. On the other hand, and this is where I come down on the QAnon stuff, you know, there's misinformation, then there's disinformation. And, you know, disinformation isn't just that it contains misinformation and misinformation is harmful. It's that it also has an, some inauthentic activity behind it, something inauthentic, cheating. And cheating is different. You, you, you can't have anything. Forget about how bad the idea is. You can't have an environment where they're cheating. And one of the things that, that I think is significant about the QAnon stuff on Apple uh, in particular is that they made such a big to-do about how they got rid of all these accounts, which, by the way, were stoking. You know, it, it's not a coincidence that a lot of the people that were arrested um, were QAnon advocates and adherents um, because they really did believe uh, that it was essential, that one, that, that this was necessary Two that, you know, they had to do this, um, and that it was valid. Uh, they were one of the biggest proliferators of the conspiracy theory 
that Trump um, is, uh, you know, w- wanted this to happen. Uh, and so the fact that Apple goes out there, says they knock these programs off, uh, and then here they are still on there being distributed and streamed. And remember, it's not just that they get a platform. It's that these services recommend those shows to new people. So they're actually helping metastasize this. And to put a fine point on why this matters, um, and again, it took us back to Facebook, but elsewhere, this video dropped that people in Q groups were saying came from the White House. And it is a montage that makes it seem like they need to descend on the Capitol on January 20th in order to make sure uh, that, that, that Trump is calling on them to descend on the Capitol on January 20th to just sort of stop the Biden inauguration and, uh, and, and make sure that Trump stays in power. It's total, total fabrication. Obviously, it's not from the White House. The video is heavily edited. Like, it's a total weird montage. But that's what the QQ group is saying right now. It's that it's important for them to be there to show up for Trump on the 20th. Um, so there's, there's aside from how damaging the information is, the, mis- the disinformation is, there's also very specific things right now that I think, uh, you know, re- require a little more attention. Yeah. From yeah. the platforms. Yeah. Um, the, these platforms have to be held because that's the only way these people can communicate. And, and if they're committing using these platforms to commit violent acts, then, then the platforms have to do something, um, about it. Um, and, and, and that's important. And then speaking of platforms, the, 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 one of the organizers, Ali Alexander, also according to Media Matters, is raising money online. Uh, and selling merchandise online. So that's another way that they're able to still reach people. And then, then they're on a lot of these sites too, right? That needs to be looked at, right? That's right. And, you know, I think underneath all of this, and this is the part that I, you know, these platforms disproportionately target civil rights uh, and social justice advocates. I mean, they are the platforms all the time for, mm-hmm. uh, for under the idea that they're extreme, um, and they're not even violating the rules. Um, it's that the right complains, uh, there's more, there's more, there's a certain different sensitivity, right? They're, they're, these platforms are much more vigilant against going. So they do this work all the time. They've been systematically targeting civil rights groups and civil rights advocates and social justice advocates for years. Can't monetize, can't do that. Um, you can't be, you can't have a place on Facebook. Um, so in this case, when somebody like Ali, who was, advocating in December, he was telling people repeatedly that you need to be prepared to die on January 6th. He was telling people, you know, that if you are not prepared to die on January 6th, don't show up. Don't come to this event with Representative Gozar tomorrow in your hometown because he doesn't want to see you either, right? That's the kind of, so when when we look at this, it doesn't mean that everyone there was prepared to die, but you know what? You do. You are appealing to a, pers- a very specific type of individual when you start to advocate for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when you tell them that this is not just a cause for Trump, but that this is a cause for Christ, that that this is about that this is this is a holy war. Um, that I mean, embedded within all of his appeals were this idea that this is this is a a it's the only thing you can do if you're a religious person. If you're a follower of Christ, you have to go and be prepared to die. Um, you know, and there's a lot of ways that he contributed to this to this moment, but certainly there were indicators that should have said that not only should this guy, uh, at best, he shouldn't be monetizing that kind of stuff. Um, the extremism, the appeals to violence, and then the the flat out lies. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of it. 
Yeah, yeah. So tell me more about that. Because they called, was, was, he, was his group the same one that was using the Jericho March kind of analogy? Or was that, I know there were a number of different groups out there. I know they had a Jericho March and they were invoking God. But Ali was invoking God in Christ too. He was all the time. It's a central part of what he does. Um, is that, is that underneath everything is this idea that he is an advocate for, uh, for Christ. And, um, you know, he, before he was doing Stop the Steal, which was a, it's a Roger Stone, was a Roger Stone project that Ali took over. Um, uh, his, one of his last big runs was against, uh, Representative Omar. Um, and he rented an armored vehicle and drove around her town. Um, basically trying to hunt what he said were terrorists connected to her. Um, and he was on a holy mission mm. for Christ. Right. And mm. so you know, he had been brewing this. And where was he getting the money to rent an armored vehicle? Well, in some ways, there are obviously really far right evangelicals that say, well, it's not a holy war. Here's now 50 bucks. No, go rent that armored car. Because, because his point was that these terrorists, are gonna, hey, they're terrorists. They're going to bomb me. I need an armored vehicle to drive around Congresswoman Omar's district. It's ridiculous. Right. But he sure he did it and he live streamed it all and people ate it up and were giving him more money throughout. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, for him, he was appealing to a base and an audience that um, that was not just devout from a, a partisan or extreme political perspective and hopped up on lies and misinformation, but was also in some ways believing that their cause was so righteous mm-hmm. that um you know, that, that there was a, that there was a religious component to it, that they needed to, to have the kind of zealotry, um, that you would have had during the Crusades, that this was a, a, a part of an, of an epic battle, not just for the constitution, but for Christ. And, um, I think that's the, a part of this that gets lost because so much of our world is politics, but he was organizing a, a very specific type of, of ex- radicalized evangelical as well. Um, uh, in, in order to, to, to get a certain constituency there. Mm-hmm. Um, what, um, what about what's going on on YouTube? They're still, one headline is they're still making money off of some of the election fraud lies. That's right. They monetize it and they run ads on a whole bunch of content about Dominion, uh, about what one of the biggest ones that was proliferating right before the, right after the results of the Georgia election, because of course, according to the same group that was stolen too. And, uh, for Georgia, uh, it's a new theory. They blamed it on Italians. Mm. They said there was a, a cadre of Italian teenagers that flipped the, bo- the vote in Georgia. That's that. I mean, and, and this is the kind of stuff that they're on. So it's like fun. It's one thing that YouTube has it on there. Okay. Um, it's another thing that they're recommending it. That's a problem. Um, and then they're monetizing it. And the part that I always find strange about this is that if you went to Google and you searched for something, okay, election results in Georgia, and you got the same, if your Google search results looked the way that your YouTube search results did, Google would go out of business because the results would be ridiculous. Um, but yet for some reason, when it comes to YouTube, the, all the ways in which they order information go out the door. So on the one hand, they don't even try to correct for things that they know are blatantly incorrect. Disreputable sources shouldn't be getting the top hits in the search results, and they shouldn't be getting recommended as if they're authoritative. But then worse, they monetize it because they know that that kind of that kind of awful stuff gets clicks and views, 
Um, and as a result, they make money. Um, so, and then you have to chase after them and you, in some ways it feels like a game of whack-a-mole, but the alternative is doing nothing. And hopefully sometimes you can get enough pressure that they actually take a systemic approach. I mean, they were monetizing Steve Bannon's show for the longest time. Yeah, and his viewership was bigger than anything on CNN, on YouTube. Then he called for the beheading of Anthony Fauci and Christopher Ray, the FBI director, and they suspended him for a whole seven days. Um, then he continued to push Dominion lies and a whole bunch of other misinformation about the election. Then he kept telling everybody that Mike Pence could overturn it on January 6th if he really wanted to, that even if he didn't, it didn't matter because Donald Trump could use the Insurrection Act and take over before January 20th. Um, this is the kind of stuff he was repeating and talking about. Had Julian on there a bunch, Giuliani on there a bunch. And then right before they storm the Capitol, he says in one of his broadcasts, all the people down there need to ask themselves, have you done enough for Trump? Have you done enough for the cause? Because if you're standing there and you're not doing something that needs to be done to make sure that they hear your voice, that they see how mad people are that the election was stolen, then he's going to lose and it's going to be your fault. You haven't done enough. Hour later, boom, they're hit the Capitol. Play his fault? Because yeah. that comment? No, but he's a part of it. And part of the problem is YouTube didn't just say it's okay for you to break the rules because that, ultimately that's what I have a problem with. They have rules. They gave a pass to a whole bunch of right-wingers who they knew were pushing extremism and bigotry and disinformation. So not only did they give them a pass, but then they made a buck off it and they gave a cut back to these people. What? That about? <laughs> Where's Alex Jones in all of this? You know, his deplatforming took the temperature down a lot. And that happened a couple of years ago after the Sandy Hook stuff. But Ali Alexander, um, you know, his biggest footprint comes from Alex. Um, Jones had been a huge proponent of it. And then the third piece, and I think this is a part that's a really big deal that got lost a little bit. Early in December, there wasn't any money for the January 6th event. Alex Jones fronted it. He funded it. The price for the permits and the porta potties and the traditional things you need to do to secure staging and other things. He fronted the cash, you know, because uh, he sells a lot of that juice that takes the poison and the estrogen out of the water. Uh, and so, you know, he's got some cash. You know, he, he, you know, he sells his Alex Jones juice and his toothpaste that prevents coronavirus. Um, and so, uh, which is a hoax. So it's kind of an amazing product that that's what he sells. But he has, I guess, some extra cash and he fronted it. Now, hmm. some of that money has, was come, came back to him. But, it, you know, part of his role in this has been, aside from the content of his programming, um, a large part of his role in this has been as a, a, uh, a connector. I mean, he was on the ground in Arizona first. You know, he rented that jet and he was there while they were still counting the ballots outside. Um, so I think, one, he provided operational capacity. And then the second thing he provided that I think the story there will come out more is um, – he kept telling everybody how much law enforcement loves him and loves this cause, that they're with him. And, you know, if you're put it, I don't have any sympathy for the people that were there, but imagine you're just a person that falls down this rabbit hole. You're a viewer, you're a listener, and you're just constantly told and reinforced how much law enforcement is, is on your side, that you just need to show up and they'll, 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 they know what to do when the moment comes, right? If you hear that every day for two months, it's hard to believe it, you know? And, uh, and that's it. That's Alex Jones's role. That if I zero it in, it's that he gave them the cash. He, he gave them a little loan on the front to make sure they could get what they needed. And on the back end, he made sure that he helped reinforce the idea 
that law enforcement was was sort of blessing it. Now, the disturbing part is that part seems to be somewhat true, right? Um, but his point about it was that there's a, a switch. They know what to do. They reinforce it. And we're seeing that right now play out in other telegram channels around the National Guard. You know, they say, gosh, I feel so bad for these National Guardsmen. You know, hopefully some of them have the good sense to, to know what's happened when the, when the bullets start, start flying and either, you know, join or desert. Um, so the, but him, Jones, I think he had, he helped his people feel like there was an authenticity to it. Um, that was coming from, you know, and, and he brought on people like Mike Flynn who to help reinforce that idea. Uh, you know, you, you're just an Alex Jones viewer and this guy's got four stars. Oh, oh, must be, must be true. Wow. Um, so what, what happens next with Fox? You know, Joe Biden's going to be the president. He's, he's being sworn in. Um, does Fox have an incentive to continue to promote really insurrection is what it is. Um, if only to keep up with its rising competition on some of these other channels and sites. Um, I mean, of course, Fox's ideology is enough to make them do that. But uh, but Fox is still considered. I mean, it's a basic cable channel. Uh, That's right. You know, and people can't forget that. But but I guess the question is, what, what do you predict? Are they going to uh, what what are they going to do differently? with a Democratic president and a Democratic Senate and a Democratic House? What are they going to do differently, if anything? They're going to get, uh, they, 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 I mean, if this was a week ago, I wouldn't, I, I would have predictions, but it'd be harder to really feel confident. They told us what they were going to do this week. Um, they cut their program, they cut, they cut their news, what they call their news programming, which is basically just their softer opinion programming. Um, and they added more hardcore hosts to primetime. So they've actually doubled down on the Sean Hannity's and the Tuckers. So that they've added more of that to their, their lineup, which starts on Monday. Um, and they've cut the news programming back a little bit. So to, to your point, it seems like they're starting to steer the ship in that direction. They're like a meteor getting closer. They're burning brighter. Um, the, they have competition from others now in terms of viewership. Their viewership is declining because they're getting attacked from all sides. Um, I think they're going to repeat. Ultimately, I think their theory, and this is what I heard from uh, from people who were talking to Fox executives, um, was that uh, that they think they could just ride this bumpy period out, and that ultimately most people will come back to Fox because they can center themselves as the voice of the opposition, which is what they did in 2009 when President Obama came to office. Right. And um, and so what I think they're going to do is systematically attack. Not, uh, appointees, so we're going we're to see them go after one after another of these nominees as they go through the confirmation fights in totally disingenuous and aggressive, aggressive ways. I mean, we're starting to see that now with the uh, Department of Justice uh, civil rights head uh, appointment. You know, they're they're calling her a black supremacist, and almost all of their attacks are focused on this one individual, which is what we've seen in the past when they go after somebody, Kevin Jennings, or. Uh, when they went after Shirley Sherrod, who was a, a Department of Agriculture employee, um, she wasn't even a super high profile person. Right. right, right. Uh, so, you know, th- this I think that will help them. Uh, I think ultimately, though, they're going to really find two things of great struggle. One, last week, they called the meeting of their advertisers because um, they're having they're, they're having a panic. They really are suffering badly. And what they told them was that Fox's brand was safe. 
because by comparison, the negative sentiment about Fox News is not as high as it was as the negative sentiment was about Boeing after the seven uh, after the second 737 Max plane crash two years ago. What? That is the high, they took the highest possible bar and they, they literally they, they compared the brand sentiment. They said, here's Fox and here's Boeing two weeks after the second plane crash. And it was proved that they were involved, that they knew that these were that these planes. Were, we're not we're safe. Because that is the critical mass of which you run into real problems. That was the right. I'm not even joking. I wish I was. I'm laughing because it's hilarious. This is actually a presentation that they gave to their advertisers, which was we are not Boeing after the second 737 plane crash. They didn't even compare themselves to Boeing now. They compared themselves to Boeing in the period right after the second plane crash. And it was proved. So they know that they have trouble. Which tells me that they're going to go all in on on the cable fees, and they're you know they have Newsmax and One American News nipping at their heels. Um, but I think there's I do think that there's been a shift now, and we will see. And I'm even starting to see New York Times today. Nick Kristof wrote an article saying when are we going to start looking at the cable companies and what they're doing with you know Fox News and some of these other disinformation sites, which is something that you and I've been talking about for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, that now we're starting to see start to seep into the mainstream. Um, and so I think that there will be some friction for their revenue growth plan, um, which is ultimately what they need to survive. So do I think they're going to get worse on a content level? Yes. Do I think that that's going to only speed up the possibility for lasting accountability? I sure do. The fees, though, where are we on that? You mentioned the fees. So and it cuts both ways. So COVID basically disrupted all of their renegotiations. Um, so they had a sequence of renegotiations lined up last year, starting in the spring. And also all we've really done, though, it, it paused all of that. And what they did is instead of negotiating new contracts, and so the idea around sort of intersecting and trying to get them to depress those contracts or reduce them, um, all they did was sign extensions. And to this, to later this year and rolling into next year. So we, they basically paused the clock last year. Um, and so mo- most of their, about 60% of their revenue, probably about 55% now, I think one contract went through right before COVID hit, um, still is up for grabs. And, um, and they'll start renegotiating in earnest in a couple months. Um, and this is, so I, the, even this, even the more conversation and the more pressure around it means that cable companies have to sit across the table and say, no, we're not going from 250 to 350, which is what Fox is trying to get everybody to do is go up to 350. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that is almost as much as ESPN is. Mm. And then, and then that's how they stay financed. What, how did the advertisers react to that presentation? Do we know? I, I mean, they reacted by immediately leaking it to the press and in incredulity. They could not believe that that was actually the pitch. In fact, I think it inspired more panic because, I mean, it's a joke, right? You, right. you, you right. I could not have given a better press. That's like something I would do and all I do is attack Fox's advertisers. I would say, look at this. Fox is almost as high as Boeing was. Too. But, I mean, it is the most absurd thing I can imagine. I don't understand how anybody there thought that was going to help them. Um, they called the meeting. It's not even like they needed to have it. They they requested advertisers and media buyers to watch this presentation. And the pitch was, we're not Boeing. It, it's stunning. I mean, it actually is stunning. And I think the reaction was for them to immediately try. I mean, they leaked it because uh, and I think the response was to, that it, it did cement a lot of the concern that they had. And if you notice, and I find this part to be very interesting. Um, the that day, uh, the next day, Janine Piro shows on. This presentation happened last Friday. 
Janine Pirro's show is on. She was one of the major people that the advertisers was one of the things that the advertisers were concerned about. Janine Pirro opens her show by saying, everybody that thinks it was Antifa at this, this, this event on Wednesday is wrong. We need to accept the fact that these were Donald Trump supporters and they were bad people who did bad things. What? It's like the most sensible thing she's ever said, right? Um, and the reason she said it isn't because she's had some sudden epiphany. It's because she understood that she was one of the single largest drivers of attacks um, and that she was one of the examples that the advertisers pointed to as Fox News having no standards whatsoever. And so she opens her show with this very grand claim. Some people pr- praise her for it. Okay. Um, but that was a performance to try to, you know, it wasn't out of nowhere. And I, that's the part that I love about some of this stuff is that you can see the power that, you know, that the, um, you know, that, that just the commercial interest can have when just they didn't even do anything. They didn't even run away from her show. They just complained. And watch how, I mean, watch how quick she did a 180. Um, and I do think that it is, it is evidence of this sort of one layer of vulnerability there that I, I maintain it really exists and is only growing. Folks, as always, we got to keep up with all of this and we invite you to do just that. MediaMatters.org with the president, Angelo Carasone. Angelo, as always, thank you, buddy, for keeping us enlightened and congratulations and Godspeed to all the people working hard in media matters so they they watch this stuff and document this stuff so you don't have to you also give them a little support mediamatters.org thanks angelo thank you thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain please remember to listen like subscribe and wherever you get your podcasts please give the show a five-star rating and please do spread the word let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.